0: All right, we are continuing in Matthew 25, continuing in our study in Matthew, and we'll be covering a good amount of verses, but only two stories. We'll, we'll do verse one through 30, and we're covering two parables that Jesus tells. A sermon's called Faithful in the Waiting. Matthew 25, one to 30. I'm reading out of the ESV. It says this. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, "'Lord, Lord, open to us.' But he answered, "'Truly I say to you, I do not know you. "'Watch therefore, for you do not know the day or the hour. "'For it will be like a man going on a journey "'who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. "'To one he gave five talents, to another two, "'to another one, to each according to his ability. "'Then he went away.' enter into the joy of your master. He also had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your word. Lord, we just right now, we together, we place ourselves under your word. You have full authority and reign over our lives, Lord. And though we fall short, we remind ourselves that because of your blood, you love us and accept us. And now we just want to humble ourselves and say, Teach us, Jesus. Would you confront us and encourage us and do us all the things that you do through your word? We ask for your, your spirit now to come. Help me, Lord, just to be faithful and clear to what you have said. Would your spirit move and create faith and convict? And, and more than anything, would you just glorify Jesus in our midst? We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, well, if you've been with us the past couple weeks, uh, just how good has the, the word been? How timely has it been, right? We're looking at the news and natural disasters and, like, wars and rumors of wars. And I just, it's encouraging to me that Jesus 2,000 years ago said, hey, it's going to be like that. And it's like that. Like Jesus' word has been so timely. And he's been talking about, I'm coming back and I'm coming soon. And this is what it's going to look like. And that was kind of Matthew 24, I'm coming soon. And now he's turning a corner, but he's making the same point, same basic point in Matthew 25, I'm coming soon. And so what we're going to do with these two parables, these 30 verses, is uh, we're going to walk through them kind of step by step or or point by point. It's going to be 10 points, but they'll be quick. Don't worry. I hope you're awake. Uh, And I'll, I'll make sure you stay awake. I'll be a little crazy. So here we go. Point number one says this. Jesus' return will feel like a delay. Jesus' return will feel like a delay. Now, if you remember the main theme of Matthew 24, Jesus said, I'm coming and I'm coming soon, right? He said, I'm coming soon. And what he's saying, uh, and actually we have two quotes from that in Matthew 24, just to remind us immediately after the tribulation. And then he, again, he says, you know that he is near at the very gates. So Matthew 24, we're supposed to feel this like, man, he's coming. He's almost here. And Jesus wanted to teach us how we should live in light of the fact that like he's at the door. Now in Matthew 25, he reverses the emphasis and he says, yes, I'm coming soon. But do you know what? It's going to feel like a delay. It will feel like a delay. Two verses here, just to look at that. Verse five, as the bridegroom was delayed. And then again in verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came. It's kind of funny. It's like, well, which one is it, Jesus? Is it soon or is it a long time? And we know that verse from second Peter with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, right? That's kind of the answer. And so Jesus is a good pastor and he's saying, okay, I'm coming soon. But soon to the Lord sometimes means thousands of years. And so I want to teach you how you are to live in light of that delay. It's going to feel like a delay. And he gives us these two parables to help us understand the delay and help us understand how we are to live in light of the delay. And so the second point is this. We must prepare for that delay that's pretty much the central point of the first parable. You must prepare, you must be ready. Are you ready and prepared for the delay? Now, Jesus tells a story of these 10 virgins, okay? And just right off the bat, you're like, "What, Jesus, what are you saying? 10 virgins and lamps and a wedding at midnight. And this is one of those things that, uh, it's just culture's different. At that time, this was like, oh yeah, that's normal for us. We're like, what is Jesus saying? It, this was meant to be a very simple, straightforward story. But just to help us clarify some context, what is he talking about here? Who are these 10 virgins? The word virgin is the same word for young women. And in the context of a wedding, who these virgins were, were the bridesmaids. Just exactly what we would think of as a bridesmaid. Okay, there's 10 bridesmaids waiting for a wedding. And what are they doing with lamps? Well, in that culture at that time, a wedding happened at night because they let people travel and let the people just get there for the wedding. And um, so it happened at night. Normally, you know, it happened like at sundown. And this is what would normally happen. The wedding was put on by the groom, not the bride. And the groom would leave his house with all his groomsmen and they would go pick up the bride and the bridesmaids at the bride's house. And then they would have a procession through the town to the groom's house. And the bridesmaids, one job at this point is to have a lamp ready and lit to like make the procession through the town. And that was just something you would see. You'd see like lights going down. You're like, oh, cool, a wedding's happening. That was their one job. But in the case of this wedding, for whatever reason, all the, you know, everybody's ready. All the bridesmaids and the bride, they're at their house, they're ready to go. And then the groom isn't showing up. He's delayed. We don't know why, but he's delayed. And uh, verse six tells us he comes at about midnight. Okay, so just picture a wedding, seven o'clock, we're all, like, waiting at the wedding, like, where is this guy? The bridesmaids are like, this is crazy. We're waiting for five hours. They're, they fall asleep. And then at midnight, the groom comes. But here's the thing. Five hours go by, and half of these bridesmaids weren't expecting this delay. And so they didn't have any extra oil, and that's what the lamps needed. And so they realize, oh, my gosh, you don't have oil. We can't, like, do our one job and escort the bridal party through the city. So they go to the other uh, women and are like, hey, can, you borrow, can we borrow some? And it seems a little cold at first, but imagine this. If there wasn't enough, that means at some point during the procession, the lamps would go out, and like, what kind of procession would that be? And everyone's waiting for the bride to come down, and they're like, where is she? We we don't see her. So they say, no, you can't have our oil. You have to go get oil. But it's midnight, and what oil store is going to be open at midnight, right? And so they, they miss out. The groom comes, they miss out on the wedding. And then, of course, they finally come ashamed with no oil, with no lamps. They're like, hey, will you let us in? And the groom, He's a little upset, right? He's like, this is my wedding. My bride's probably crying because you guys weren't here. And he's like, sorry, I'm not letting you in. And they're like, please be merciful. He's like, no, I don't know you. And he he doesn't let them in the wedding. Now, the point of this whole parable is this. We must be ready. Sorry, I'm still on point two. We must be ready for that delay. Jesus is saying, I'm like a groom and I'm coming for my bride, the church, but it will feel like a delay. And how gracious of Jesus to say, hey, it's going to be, I'm going to come around midnight. I'm just going to be a delay. So be ready. Be prepared. Have extra oil. Don't be caught off guard by it. And now, when we start thinking about that for our life, this is profound. Because to walk with Jesus is to be prepared for the long haul of waiting with him. These five young women assumed they wouldn't need to wait. They just assumed, like, it's gonna be okay. And Jesus says, you're foolish to think so. And think about the tragedy of this. 10 young women got ready. They spent all day getting ready for a wedding. They're looking forward to it. And only five make it to the wedding. Jesus says, it's gonna be like that. People are gonna be excited to follow me. They're in, they're they're, they're ready to go. And as time goes on, they're not expecting this long haul with Jesus and they're not ready, and they won't be ready for me when I come. Do you know what's more important and what matters more than starting to walk with Jesus? It's finishing walking with Jesus. Jesus says, it's going to be a long haul, and you're going to have to wait on me, and so be prepared for that. And like the parable of the soils, people will respond to Jesus and be excited about Jesus, but many won't make it. Many aren't ready for the long haul. And it's really easy uh, and exciting when we see someone just charging after Jesus and and they're like going for it and you're like, yes, but walking with Jesus is also like a marathon. It's also like be prepared and trained and are you ready to weather just day after day after day? When I was 15, um, my uh, my dad was running marathons and I was in track and I was like, you know, let's do a marathon. So I was 15, I was like, I'm gonna do this marathon with my dad. So we start to train. And 15 is pretty young to do a marathon. I mean, it's just, a marathon is just hard in general if anyone's done one. And so we're training and, you know, you start building up. And there's kind of two ways to train. You can either train with no food. You got to teach your body to like survive, to build up enough store. Or you like, people carry, you've seen people like little fanny packs or just like something and you're eating, right? And so we train to eat. Uh, The day the marathon comes, it was just one of those off days, if you run, you know, sometimes you're like, oh great, it's one of those days and I just wasn't feeling good and so I just didn't eat. I was running, you know, mile 10, 15, I just didn't feel good, I was just pretty much just go, just do it and I wasn't eating and I remember my last memory was mile 25 and I see the sign and we're like, one more mile, it's it's 26.2 and I'm just like, eyes closed, just step after step is pain and then I wake up in an ambulance and I didn't finish the marathon, you guys. I was 15, and I trained for six months, and I wake up with IVs, and my legs are like seizing, and they're like, yeah, you ran out of electrolytes. You're an idiot. Like, what are you expecting? You weren't eating, and I was like, no, and I was so mad. I was like, the finish line is right there, and I was like, please. I was pleading with the people in the ambulance. I'm okay. I'm awake. I have one mile. Let me finish, and they're like, sorry. When we put a needle in you, we have to take you in. So I go into the hospital, four hours taking blood. I'm fine. All I needed was the IVs. I go back to the spot and I literally finished the marathon. People are cleaning up. Nobody's there. It was so depressing. My, out, my time was like nine hours, 15 minutes. It was supposed to be like four hours. I was like, well, I guess I finished. I, don't, I still to this day, I don't know if I can claim that I ran a marathon, but I have the thing and that's my time. But anyways, following Jesus... It's a marathon. And it's, if anyone has tried, you know, it's hard and you have to be prepared and you can't be stupid in the day of, just be like, ah, oh, whatever, I'm just going for it. Like, it's a long haul. And Jesus is saying, you have to be prepared to wait and make it. And I just, man, my heart breaks because I have friends who I love, who I used to walk with Jesus with and now they're not walking with Jesus. They're, they, they're not walking with him now. And you know what is sad about these five, foolish women, is it wasn't sin. It wasn't disbelief. It wasn't bad theology. They just simply assumed, I'm going to make it. They just like assumed. They didn't prepare like, yeah, I'll make it. And I think it shows us the danger of just assuming, yeah, it'll be fine. I'll make it. Following Jesus, no problem. I'll, I'll make it. You know, maybe someone will help me along the way. Maybe I'll get a little extra oil. Or maybe, you know, I know the bridegroom he'll be nice, he's gracious, he'll let me in even if I like don't have my lamp ready. And this is a stark warning, like don't assume, be prepared. And to even press the metaphor, like are we filling ourselves with that oil of being with the Lord every single day? Like are we, are we just seeking the Lord like the middle of the night, no one's around, early in the morning, people aren't saying, good job, you brought extra oil, but like that's what it takes to make it with Jesus. Yes, there's amazing moments with Jesus, but then there's these unseen moments where you're just with the Lord. And that is the fuel to make it. And I just, I wanna make it, you guys. And I I wanna make it to the end. I wanna do anything I can to not get to the door and and hear Jesus say, I don't know you. And, And then the last thing I'd say on this is if you, some of you, maybe you just feel like you're waiting on the Lord for something, like, you can resonate with these verses in the Psalms, like, where are you, Lord? How long, O Lord? And I just want you to hear that's part of what it is to follow Jesus. You're not alone. You're not necessarily doing something wrong. That's part of it, waiting on the Lord. I mean, I imagine these, bride, these bridesmaids were like, seriously, where is he? Like, where is he? I'm kind of annoyed. I got dressed up, and where is he? Like, that's part of what it is to follow Jesus, just this Slow waiting on the Lord. And all I would say is this, keep waiting on the Lord. Keep waiting. He's coming. He will come. And so for the first point, Jesus' return will feel like a delay. Number two, we have to prepare for the delay. Number three is where we start the next parable, and it's this: We are stewards of God's resources during the delay. We are stewards during the time while we're waiting for Jesus to come. This parable of the talents is the point of what what am I supposed to be doing with my life until Jesus comes back? Verse 14, it starts like this. It'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, if you're looking at it, what does it say? And entrusted to them his property. Whose property? His property, the master's property. And here's a truth. You and I are simply stewards. Everything we own and have is on loan to us from God. We are not owners of anything. We are stewards of God's resources. And like these three men who are entrusted something from the master, we are to steward what we've been given. You know, we're to steward like our own heart and walk with the Lord. We're to steward our relationships and we're to steward our jobs and our responsibilities, our resources, our time, our finances, our talents and abilities to serve God's church. We're to steward the gospel like everything that we have and everything we can do is on loan from the Lord and we are stewards until he returns. And when you, when you start to view your stuff and your life as Man, I'm just a steward. It, it honestly changes like the goal of your life and why you are here. Your goal isn't just to get as much stuff for your own enjoyment. The goal is like, man, this is God's. Like my car is God's car and I wanna steward it well. Like my job is, belongs to the Lord and it's his and I'm stewarding my job right now. My relationships are the Lord's. He like said, here, take care of these until I come back. And he cares about how we use our abilities. It's all the Lord's. And I just wanna say, if you're young and still figuring out like myself, what am I gonna do with my life? Is this perspective in your future? Like everything I have and everything I, I'm pursuing is for the Lord. It's unto the Lord, it's his. My, my education, it's just the Lord's. It's for the Lord. Uh, like everything I wanna do and succeed in is for the glory of God because I'm a steward of his stuff. And if you're not so young and you're kind of like looking back um, and maybe you have some resources at this point, do you view your life and your resources and your car and your boat and your house and whatever you have, your bank account as the Lord's? This is his and I'm a steward for the Lord. And think about all the ways it could be invested in the kingdom. Do you view everything you have as, a, as a entrusted to you from the Lord? And then number four, a slight adjustment to that point, We've been entrusted with things, we've been entrusted differently. This is just helpful because, you know, we can be a little wicked and jealous and compare and frustrated when we look around like, cool, Lord, I'm glad you give him that, but you didn't give me that. And God's point is, listen, your gifts differ, talents differ, resources differ. We haven't been entrusted with the same thing. Verse 15, to one he gave five, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability, which just means the Lord decides. It's not, out to be fair, we've not been entrusted with the same amount. God sovereignly ordained what you are entrusted with. Which means it's like crazy to get caught up in like comparing. Like we're supposed to be faithful with what we do have. Like I, like I don't wanna say, man, I only have two talents, but he has five. The point is like, man, I have two talents that are the Lord's and I wanna be faithful to what God has given me. And you know what I love? Do you is an awesome example is the second servant in verse 17. He was given to, but guess what he did? He was faithful and he heard the same words that the, the guy with five, he heard the same words that the Lord said to the guy with five. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. So if you are in a spot where you're like, man, I just feel like I have less, it's okay. Be faithful with what God has given you. Don't be paralyzed. Don't be too frustrated with what you don't have. God has entrusted you with something. And point number five is this. And again, just a tweak on that. We are to be faithful stewards while Jesus delayed. Do you know what your main job is as a steward? It's be faithful. Be faithful with what he's entrusted to you. And, And in this parable, we see two ways that you are to be faithful. In verse 21, he says, you have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. So to be faithful is to be faithful with a little, to be faithful with what you have, what you have been entrusted with. And if there are any bosses here, you know, one of the best ways to test the quality of someone as a worker is to give them a small job. That's the best way to test someone's like character. You don't say, hey, here's this big job. You say, hey, will you go like mop that room for me real quick? Because listen, if this person's like, I'm not going to mop this. I need a better job. You're like, oh, well, that's how they are as a worker. But if they're like, I'm going to mop. I'm getting the corners. I'm going to get this clean. You're like, okay, this is a faithful worker. I'm going to trust them with more. And to my shame, I have to confess, after I graduated college, I worked at Starbucks for a few years and I hated it. And I thought I was above it. And I had my college degree and everyone was like younger than me and didn't go to college who were like my bosses. And I remember they said, hey, will you just go wash the dishes? And I remember washing the dishes, just frustrated thinking I'm above this. I remember, I vividly remember that day. I can't believe I'm washing these dishes. And God told me, not in that moment, it took a year, and a lot of wisdom from old people saying, you're an idiot, to realize, man, I'm not a faithful worker. And if I can't be faithful washing dishes, why would God entrust me with anything else? I need to be faithful with what I have right now. And the quality of a steward is revealed when, you are, when you're given a small job, what you view to be as a small job. That's just how life works. That's how life with Jesus works. And one of the, this is, this is cool, one of the greatest ways to know if someone's gonna be a good missionary is how are they as a neighbor? How are they as a roommate? One of the greatest ways to know if a single person will make a good spouse is how joyful and content are they while they're single? Because a marriage isn't gonna fix that. Like your heart's gonna be the same. And one of the, just the greatest ways to like move on and do more things in life is like, man, I'm content and I'm faithful where I am. And and oftentimes, I think when we're not content, Jesus is like, man, I'm just gonna keep you learning this same lesson until you find contentment and faithfulness where you are. And we can kind of run and like go find a new place or circumstance. And for some reason, it's like, why is this still happening? Jesus is like, be faithful, be content where you are. To be faithful is to be faithful over a little. The other thing to be faithful is, is to be faithful right now, in the immediate, in the present. Notice verse 16 He who had received the five talents went at once. You know, we're often tempted to think like, okay, I'll tithe one day like when I make a little more money or I'll stop this sin eventually when things get a little easier or I'll serve my church with the gifts God's given me eventually, but right now things are just a little busy, or I'll offer my resources in my home one day. I'll get invested in community one day, but right now it's just a little much. Or if you're in college, it's like, oh, maybe next semester when I have a few less, you know, units, because it's just really full right now. Part of being faithful is being faithful right now. Like, that is who you are as a steward. Am I faithful right now? And faithfulness Faithfulness is such a rare, hard quality. It's a fruit of the spirit. It's not natural. We need the Lord's help. In Proverbs 20 verse six says, many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person, who can find? And faithfulness. We value, I mean, think just who we are. We value like charisma and giftedness and talent and resources and wealth. But do we value like the person who faithfully cleans up the coffee cups after the service and nobody knows? Like, do we even think like, oh, that's cool? Like, do we value faithfulness? Faithfulness. Now I'm gonna press this even further. We're gonna have a hard moment. Uh, we're gonna take the am I faithful test, and the best way to take the am I faithful test is to look at last week. Okay, how did last week go for you? Because last week, for you know, ninety nine out of hundred of us, is a great example of what your life is like, and last week is a great example to say, man how was I with what God entrusted to me? How did I use God's time and money and resources and gifts and relationships? And what does last week say as the quality of me as a steward? How faithful was I in the little? How was I faithful unto the Lord? And when I ask myself this question, um, man, the Lord revealed an area I've been unfaithful in and it's an area for years I've been unfaithful in and I keep saying like, yeah, I'm, I wanna grow in this, I wanna grow in this, uh, It's just evangelism. Like I wanna care about my neighbors and my city and I wanna know their name and about their lives and I want them to know about Jesus. And when I look at last week, I think I had like a 30 second interaction with one of my neighbors and praise God for that, but I am convicted to see, man, I could have been much more faithful. I'm with you In this. And and I would just challenge all of us, even for a minute, to ask the Lord, Lord, where have I been unfaithful? What's an area of my life that I I can be more faithful? And to, like, maybe even write it down or let someone in on that and, like, commit. Like, I want to be faithful here. I want to be faithful in this area. Point number six is this. Though Jesus is delayed, He is coming. And that's the theme of Matthew 24. And we're going to see it's the theme of Matthew 25. In verse 6, it says, Here's the bridegroom. In verse 19, After a long time, the master of the servants came. Man, Jesus is coming again. He is coming. And you will see him with your eyeballs. Just think about that. You will literally look at Jesus. You will literally see him in the flesh. He is coming. It's a delay, but he is coming. And when he comes, and the point of this parable is this, point number seven, when he comes, we are going to give an account for our faithfulness. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. Like not only are you going to see Jesus with your eyeballs, you will stand before him. And before we do anything, before we go into the feast, before we enjoy our new bodies and the new earth and the new heaven, we are gonna give an account of our life. We're gonna give an account of what he entrusted to us. And I pray by God's grace, some of us will be able to like hand back more than we were given. Like, Lord, look at this, look what happened. And some of us will hand nothing more back than what he gave us. There will be some who say, well, you gave me this and here it is. And that's all we will be able to do. And the heartbreaking truth and his point number eight is this, man, unfaithfulness will be punished. And he says it in both of our parables. In verse 10 and 11, while they're going to buy, the bridegroom came. Those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterward, those other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered truly, I say to you, I do not know you. That sounds a lot like other places where Jesus says those words. And then verse 26, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this will happen. There will be some of us who will not have been faithful. And here's, here's what's true. Unfaithfulness reveals the state of your soul how you are being faithful or unfaithful today reveals the true state of your soul. And these unfaithful stewards and the foolish bridesmaids are shut out of heaven forever in eternity, and they suffer the punishment for it. And Jesus is graciously saying this morning, man, are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you being faithful? And even this morning, I read this verse in second Corinthians 13. It's a terrifying, but this is an essential verse from God to us. He says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you failed to meet the test. And so something that Jesus calls us to do is say, have you been faithful? And, and Look at this warning, man. This is what comes for those who are unfaithful. Now, it's important to say, Jesus isn't saying you like work your way into heaven or you like fail to work your way into heaven. But what he is saying is those who truly love me and know me will be faithful. They will have something to show for it. And those who even claim to know me but have nothing to show for it, they do not truly know me. I will say to them, Lord, I, I do not know you. And so we're not saved by our works, and we don't lose our salvation by our works, but our our faithfulness reveals our soul. It reveals how we are doing with Jesus. Now, point number nine, thank God for this point, is this. Faithfulness is rewarded, and it's rewarded in three ways. Number one, it's just rewarded now in life. Like, the more faithful we are in life, Jesus is like, well done, I'm gonna entrust you with more. That's even just how it works at our job. It's how life with Jesus works. Like be faithful, press into him and we will get more in general. And number two, even better than now, there's like eternal rewards for how we are faithful or not faithful. And these guys who were faithful with a little ended up getting like much in eternity. Now just think about this, this is crazy. What you all will be doing in eternity is directly affected by what you do today. That's crazy. What you will be doing for eternity, and I'm talking about heaven and hell, I'm just talking about heaven, the new earth. How much you have and what you have entrusted to you for eternity is directly affected by today. That's amazing. Well done, good and faithful servants. When we're faithful and we invest for the kingdom, we will like see a return our investment for eternity. And I just like, I I want, I don't know what exactly that means, but like, I want that, that. I want to invest in eternity. That's a good return on my life. But even more than just a reward for eternity, number three, the best reward is verse 21, where he says to the good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. Man, that, if for no other reason to be faithful today like I wanna enter into the joy of my master for eternity. Like joy is offered us. God's joy is offered us for eternity for those who are faithful. And so I I want that joy and that life. Uh, The last point of these two parables, and it's helpful when we look at them next to each other, is we need both of these parables. And here's what I mean. Parable number one, it's talking about a wedding. Parable number two, is talking about servants being faithful, okay? Um, one of the just radical things about our God is yes, he wants you to be faithful and obey him and worship him, but he doesn't just want that. He wants your love and affection like a, like a bridegroom wants for his bride. That's like part of what it means to follow Jesus. This wedding theme, this I'm pursuing my bride theme, from the beginning of scripture to the end, Jesus says, I love my church. they like, like a husband loves his bride. And part of walking with Jesus is not just working for him. It's this intimate, close relationship with him. And can you describe like, that's like my relationship with Jesus? Because I think some of us, we kind of like the second parable. We're like, yeah, let's get it done. But like, oh, ask me to like sit and like be with Jesus. It's kind of like, let's, let's get on, right? Like, let's get moving. And some of us need to hear this first parable, man. It's like a relationship with the husband and his bride. That sweetness is what we need to recapture. And then for others of us we are like, man, I love Jesus. I love being with Jesus. I don't love my roommates and I don't want to love them. And like, we're good. Like, I like being off with Jesus all day, but don't ask me to go serve him. Don't ask me to go do something for him. I just want to be with Jesus. You're going to need the second parable that says, hey, yes, you're like the bride of Jesus, but you're also like the servant of Jesus, and he's your Lord, and he's called you to be faithful and to serve him. And we just need both of these parables together. That's why, like, we need all the verses in the Bible, right? Like, we we don't just pick the ones we like and, like, I don't really like those. Like, We like, we need the whole Bible and we need everything God says of us. Like I need an intimate relationship with Jesus and I need to be faithful and work hard for Jesus. And we need them both. And now as we head into worship, here's here's where we're gonna close. I know if we have been listening and letting the word do its work, there are areas where every one of us feels just like, oh, I have been unfaithful here. I, I, I just know that that is true the word of God is true. Man, I have put that off. I've been negligent. I have viewed this thing as too small. I've been unfaithful. And where we have to close and where we put our eyes as we head into worship is this truth. You guys, Jesus is faithful. And in Revelation 1, he's called the faithful witness. And at the end of Revelation, he's called faithful and true. And do you know what is awesome about Jesus? He did his job. He did what he came out to do. And do you know what he came to do? He came out to seek and save unfaithful people. He came like a husband comes for his bride and he laid down his life to make his bride spotless and forgiven and acceptable and loved. Jesus came for unfaithful people like you and me. And that's all of us. He didn't come for faithful people. He came for sinners like you and me. Every one of us has fallen short in what Jesus has entrusted to us. Yet Jesus says, it's about me at the end of the day. I'm faithful. I came for you. And like these wicked servants who were cast out, you know, Jesus... Was cast out for us in our place so that we didn't have to be cast out. Jesus on the cross was cast into outer darkness, received the wrath of God for our unfaithfulness that we could be called the righteousness of God, the bride of Christ, forgiven, accepted, the beloved, before we did anything, before we were faithful or unfaithful, that he would declare that over us. And then if we would trust in him, he says, And you know what? I can make you more faithful. I'm gonna pour my spirit into you. I'm gonna give you a new heart. I'm gonna convict you with my word and you're gonna grow in faithfulness. Not to earn my love, but because I already love you. I've already forgiven you. And so if if you're like, man, I don't even know if I trust in Jesus. Listen, he loves you and he was faithful for you. And then if you're a Christian and you're like, man, I love Jesus, but I've been blowing it over here. Listen, Jesus is faithful over your unfaithfulness. And then he also says, now I'm gonna make you faithful. Like, I'm gonna I'm a change, I'm gonna grow you, I'm gonna sanctify you. I, I want you to grow to be more faithful. And so what we're gonna do right now as we worship is let's just, let's take a minute, all of us, and, and just deal with those areas of unfaithfulness before the Lord and say, Lord, I repent, I acknowledge I have been unfaithful here. And then we remember the faithfulness of Jesus, that he was killed on the cross for us, that we could be forgiven. And then let's just pray and worship. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Help me be more faithful. I wanna be more faithful to you. I wanna walk with you. So I'm gonna close this in prayer. And just a reminder, we're gonna have a prayer team here. Listen, you can be real and repent and say, man, this is where I've been unfaithful. You're gonna have the carpets here to get on your face and just cry out to the Lord. We're gonna have communion where you can remember the faithfulness of Jesus over you. And then let's just get to that point This morning, where we can even lift our eyes above our failures and look at Jesus, the faithful one, and worship him because he is faithful. And when we fix our eyes on him, we begin to bear fruit and follow him. So, Jesus, thank you that you are the faithful one, that you have been so faithful to us, even though we did not deserve it, Lord. We have all fallen short. Lord, would some of us just hear the good news this morning? that you declare forgiveness and grace over our unfaithfulness. Lord, I pray that your spirit would just do a sweet work this morning over husbands, maybe been unfaithful in an area, wives been unfaithful, mo- mothers been unfaithful, single people been unfaithful, Lord, maybe we been unfaithful at our work or with our neighbors. Jesus, would you just do a sweet work where we can repent, acknowledge that, where we could get low before you, humble ourselves. And then receive the mercy of Jesus, and then, God, I just pray you would make us more faithful. Lord, I want to be faithful for you. I want to walk with you. We want to make it to the end, Jesus. Grow our faithfulness, Lord. Would we be known as some of the most faithful people because of Jesus? Would we faithfully love, Lord, as you loved us. Would we faithfully serve as you've served us. Would we faithfully lay down our lives? for our friends and our family and our neighbors and the nations as you have laid your life down for us. Thank you for your blood over us this morning, Jesus. We worship you now.